Well, first off, Brandon, thank you so much for coming to Let's Chat. Our what we call our studio, the Bat Cave. It's I think very it's fancy. We record here in the beautiful Providence, Rhode Island, Armory District. What? What? It's Brandon. First and foremost. First, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks. thanks for coming. Now, Mike has told me in our research that you're a communist. So let's start things off right. Finish the sentence. I hate America because... I don't hate America. I love the country, actually. You've lied to me. All right, interview's <laughs> over. I'm totally just kidding. Uh, for our listeners who know, we've me and Brandon work together, and we're friends, and we bash on each other all the time because it's so easy, and it's really fun. That's more of an insult towards me than you. <laughs> now we're both pretty easy targets yeah <laughs> so um well thank you for coming obviously the reason one of the many reasons i wanted to have you on is you're really smart and you know a shit ton about politics and more than i know more than most people know i know too much yeah uh, for my i mean <laughs> that's what i was most eager to talk you know to you about we'll be politics. at work and like someone will be talking about like Obamacare and Brendan will start going off about Obamacare, not positively or negative, but a different aspect about single payer. I'll talk about all the uh, specific policy points and their, you know. Oh, their... you'll be like, oh, well, the Constitution says, and ah, uh, so we want to really just talk to you. So, where are you from? I'm from Milford, Massachusetts. Uh, been there for most of my life, at least since my formative years, uh, 12, 13, about 2000, we moved there. But where else have you lived? I know, if I recall, you said you lived overseas for a while. Uh, when I was very young, I lived in England from about, you know, ages like 5, 6, 7 to 10, 11. Wow. Do you remember that at all? A little bit. I mean, when I bring up that I've lived in England, I always throw out the caveat that I was like, a, I was a kid, you know, don't mm. ask me, you know. Did I live this, you know, cultural point or not? Because you know, it's still I was just cool like, though. You yeah. don't remember the Blitz? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's definitely weird coming back after you are, know being raised on uh, soccer for a few years. Are we already making World War Two jokes, Chris? Oh uh, yeah, my grandfather's from London, so. He was actually in the Blitz, so it's very funny. Oh. It's okay. <laughs> He's al- he, he, he lived. Look, he, grandfather. He lived. He lived. Okay. <laughs> um, and did you say you lived in Indiana? See, now you're going to remember. I remember some weird stuff. South Bend for a couple what, of years. What? Wow, What's uh, the Midwest like? From How old were you then? Uh, I think I was in, I, you know, I started sixth grade and I, yeah, finished eighth grade there. So. Awkward years? Very awkward years. Yeah. I don't. I have relatives in Indiana. I just can't remember the name Me of the too. town right now. I have not in Bloomington, South Bend. Uh, you know, everybody brings up Notre Dame fighting Irish. Oh. Uh, that's there. Hmm. <laughs> so Milford is a Boston suburb, but not really. Um, more. It's mm. right on the cusp of what I and most people call Metro West Boston. Mm. Um, you know, pretty much the four ninety five belt kind of carves out metro west boston and i live just on the other side of the 495 belt so yeah. uh, i'm close enough where if i tell people across the country where i live i can just you know you just say boston boston because no one's gonna know milford or most people are gonna know worcester and that kind of stuff worcester <laughs> worcester so is, in milford is it closer time-wise to providence or worcester technically uh, Pro- worcester right well, actually, it's probably right in the middle, sort of like distance-wise. Maybe depends which way you go. 
with driving, uh, I could probably get to Worcester a little quicker. I always had traffic coming here. So, when, how old were you when you began your interest in politics? Do you have any memory specific? Uh, I think I really started paying attention in late 2008. Um, I actually hadn't really voted even when I had the opportunity to before, I uh, wasn't really invested. And um, I wasn't even really paying too much attention to the presidential election that year. Did you um, vote in 08? Yes, I did. The, you don't have to mention which way, but the, that was my first election. That was Actually, yeah, I think I've, yeah, I voted in 08. Um, Is that Bush Gore? Obama. No, 08 was Obama. Uh, McCain. McCain. Wow, can we edit that part out? Because that sounds stupid. No, that's, that's all right. Yeah, it was bad. Um, Mom okay. and um, you were a huge Sarah Palin fan. Sarah Palin fan. Okay. I wasn't really. Uh, I gave her every benefit of the doubt you could give somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I came from it from the perspective at the beginning, like you know, she's the governor of Alaska. Um, I don't know anything about her, but you know, she's been elected. She's got some probably unique experience she could bring to the table. And then yeah. uh, she also happens to be a fan of hunting wolves from helicopters, and, just yeah, like you. And then those things started crawling out, and uh, you know, she started getting interviewed, and it, you could tell, she, she, or at least I felt she was not ready for the job of vice president. McCain came out with that after the election, though, and they called it a mistake, and um, they were very criticized her afterwards and what's that famous story that she wanted to give the concession speech i don't remember yeah there's a movie about her but the story is that yeah it was an hbo sort yeah of movie really? she wanted to give about the concessions you know mccain was it a documentary or about was it the 08 a... election it's not a documentary it's like a, a hbo original movie sort of Based take on, on it is it like... called game changer I think. I think so. Julian Mars. I need to watch Game that. Game Changer going rogue or something, something like, like that. Yeah, I really can't remember. She really is one of the most interesting people to come on the scene in politics. You can bash on her now because she's not a politician. So it's okay I'd, to I'd say I'd horrible things. I'd be bashing thing. on her either way. Yeah. yeah but I would she even. was just so interesting. She was just so out there. She was picture perfect. And then she talked. Do you and remember the, what was it, the uh, Katie Couric interview? What newspapers do you read? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Can you name one? No. I mean, there's probably at that time there was a lot more papers, and she couldn't even think of one. You know, I'm not an expert. I've never served in national, state office or anything. Yeah. But, you know, if I was asked those questions, like, and I feel like, you know, maybe I'm being a little idealistic here. But I feel like if you ask the average American half those questions, they'd have a competent answer, and she just couldn't produce anything yeah. substantial. Well, instead of having all the blame on uh, Miss Palin, though, what does that say about the McCain team and her people? You know, in politics, there's a team, and someone's supposed to prep her for interviews. Like, how did every system fail for her to get to that point? How did someone not vet her for New York? I don't Times, know how Wall she Street got Journal? picked in the first place. Ugh. Pro Joe, I've she was a woman. She had a great story. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I'm in no position to tell you. I've worked on. I think yeah, I've only worked on one campaign it was nowhere near the level of president so was that annie defranco's <laughs> it's marisa defranco I, <laughs> I do that to him all the time at work annie defranco the, the singer yeah yeah but oh, like okay. you, Took had, me a second. you had a t-shirt and then i was like i was that annie defranco i'm like you son of a bitch every time uh you answered some of my questions i was going to ask who um but you asked first vote sort of you start i mean excuse me you started by asking why did i get involved or what kind of got me involved and uh it was the market crash and how our government responded that really 
opened my eyes and got me interested. Um, the bailout. Uh, Are we talking about Lehman Brothers? I'm talking about I, AIG. I, yeah, it was Lehman Brothers, AIG. I don't even know all the facts, but you know, all I know is is a lot of people I know, and practically everybody had a financial stake or some skin in the game. And uh, this was the you know I've I've read more about it, you know, in the last couple of years to find out more. But it just seemed like. Why are we handing a bailout to these people and we're not going out of our way to make sure that homeowners get a moratorium on evictions, uh, getting kicked out? I, you know, it just felt like we gave a golden parachute to the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I just sort of realized I got to start paying more attention. And as a citizen, I got to get more involved. If I can just say that, like, real quick, I think that's great because I think. Um... It's your duty as an American, as a, actually as a citizen of any country, to understand at least the minimum amount, the most basic things about how your government works and what your rights are. And a lot of people on the street don't. A lot of people just don't know that stuff. Basic, basic stuff. And I was still in school at the time, so I didn't really start getting involved in organizations or, you know, civically involved at all until 2010 and the real thing that got me involved was uh actually about three years ago now was the quote-unquote bernie sanders filibuster i love him um i can't remember what i was doing that day i think i went to visit a friend and uh you know in this day and age like you have your your phone out or your laptop out you're hanging out you're surfing browsers and stuff and like i think it was yahoo news said Sanders going like four hours and counting and we were interested you know I didn't even know who Bernie Sanders was at the time and mm-hmm. uh we turned on C-SPAN on but they brought up the channel on the computer and oh I was just exposed to some very dark space inducing reality I'd never heard it put so bluntly uh put so straight in my life what where we are now and uh what's at stake going forward and uh that's when i decided i need to uh, start acting rather than criticizing so it was bernie it was bernie he's my hero or he's one of them (laughs) so what party did you begin to be affiliated with i was always an an independent um but uh i decided to register green and uh i don't I don't vote green or get involved green thinking, you know, we're going to win a national office or anything Mm -hmm. necessarily. But uh, I just feel like when I was sort of shopping for a party to actually register with and get involved, uh, there was a lot of platform pieces and uh, the vision for which direction our country has to go to. And uh, I decided to sign up with them. (laughs) I don't think a lot of people know about the green. I know a lot about the green party. I know I don't. Ralph Nader. Do you guys remember him? I know Nader. Yeah, I think yeah. he's the guy. I liked him, I think. Yeah, I did. I voted for him in way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know enough about it. You're though. the reason McCain lost <laughs> by one vote in Massachusetts. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, there's a lot of reasons you lost. Thank you, Vernon, for that. <laughs> to your affiliate with the Green. Now, so when you tell people you're part of the Green Party, what's that reaction like? Um, Most people, it's rather indifferent. Uh, they're not aware. And um, I don't necessarily blame them it's not a party that's been very successful in america uh 
it's got roots in at least uh, more visible and tangible success in, you know, sort of actually attaining power and affecting policy abroad. But there's been some instances where Greens have been elected, or at least they... There's a lot of people involved with the party, too, who are just very good activists who've gotten me hooked up with organizations and stuff. So, correct me if I'm wrong, is it the Green Rainbow Party now? Is that correct? And the uh, the Massachusetts Green Party is technically labeled the Green Rainbow mm-hmm. Party. But uh, it's kind of like in Minnesota, their Democratic Party is technically named the... Uh, the farmers democratic party or something like that but mm-hmm. they are effectively the democrats are they trying to get the lbgt community well it was originally started actually as a uh, merger with uh i don't know all the history or the spe- like the specific people uh, yeah, or points but it was yeah it was started in uh i think 2000 2001 maybe maybe just after as a uh merger between i think the rainbow coalition sort mm. of party activist group in massachusetts and the green party activists and contingent that existed in massachusetts being from massachusetts it gets a label of being a very liberal state how do you find that to be there's obviously there's conservatives in massachusetts well um i don't know i'm always blown by the blown away by the fact that uh we seem to elect uh on this country scale a you know a pretty liberal like federal delegation but uh at the state level uh when it comes to like a speaker of our state house or some of the things that get through we're still pretty liberal in comparison to other states but you'd be surprised how conservative we are and how much resistance there is to like liberal activist ideas too i feel like every almost everywhere i go in in this area um it's just it's super liberal like Providence, Rhode Island, I don't know how often you guys go there, but there are, it's lit. I mean, Brown University is, mm-hmm. is entire, almost entirely liberal. If yeah. you go to, if you go to uh, spend any time in Cambridge. Well, cities uh, generally tend to be liberal. And then I guess cities is, is probably more yeah. what I was saying, but yeah. Yeah. I was collecting signatures last year and uh, you go out in the central Massachusetts and parts that aren't Worcester and. Uh, May I stop you? Uh, when you were collecting signatures, that was for DeFranco? Yes. Uh, you got there and there's, you know, I'm very just conservative people. <laughs> well, I work in that region and very recently, I don't know if I even told either of you this, but there would be these people all throughout central mass with the Obama picture and oh, impeach Obama with the Hitler stash. Yeah, I've run into him oh. at our post office before. I yeah. want to have him on the show. My, it was my post office too in Seekonk. There, was a, yeah, oh, there yeah? was a guy standing outside of the post office. I don't remember what the sign said, but it was Hitlerizing Obama, essentially. You know what? Which the, is just ridiculous. Good for them. For being that organized, to get off your ass and do something. Fuck, good for them. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I'm too lazy. I want to walk into I agree. Group. Like, I've wanted to get out in front of a, you know, post office before and hand out, like, letters and get people to sign a petition, but it's hard. And it's, it is yeah. hard putting yourself on the line. You know, I don't agree with the cause. That's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, not even a little. <laughs> but props to them for getting it done. Yeah. Well, there's something to say that even for people that you disagree with, um, you know, there's points somewhere. And let's not use them as an example, but there are things that you disagree with that there's points on that. All right. No, absolutely. Eventually, no. eventually, I guess at some point. Hey, I'm not out there with a sign espousing my views. So. I thought it was you in front of the Hannafords in Uxbridge. <laughs> yeah. How can they do that on the post office? Is that allowed? I think because it's public. Or is the sidewalk public property? Oh, I don't know. Solicitation and whatnot. I don't uh, know. 
I remember calling a post office once and asking about it, and uh, they just said, so long as you don't block the entrance into the post office or, like, harass people, um, it's more or less open. I felt harassed. Can I, can I go off on a quick tangent? Yeah. Super Not fast. in this show. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> the other day I was talking to my parents about the NSA situation. Well, All right. And let me just give you my stance first. Okay. So I talked to my parents about it. They're both older. They're both in their 60s. And they straight up were like, he's a traitor. Okay. My dad did military time. He was in Vietnam. So his views are a little different. Um, he wouldn't even really look at any other side of the argument other than you signed a contract, you made an agreement, period. He's he's a traitor. Edward? Yes, Edward Snowden, yeah. But the way I see it, uh, someone on NPR had said, if the Constitution is the be end-all, be-all of law in America, it's the highest standard, and the NSA can spy on Americans and violate the Constitution, then how can you hold any other Americans accountable after that? So I'm curious, like... People that I talk to seem to be split literally right down the line. What are, what are your thoughts on Snowden and the NSA and that whole thing? Well, you know, we talk about the Constitution. Or I'll start big and then get small yeah, with Snowden you. specifically. So uh, we sort of all agree that the essence of our country is we have a republic, you know, democratic republic. And uh, there's got to be... It's implied that when you vote for people, you know, you give consent to them to govern. And uh, what I'm very thankful for is that Snowden released so many details about operations and uh, procedures going down that were never run by the public or open for public debate. Um, <laughs> we voted in, the, I think it was the Patriot Act, and the, there's a provision that the NSA uh, more or less or a few provisions they highlight to justify their entire existence and the practice of uh, essentially data mining. Um, and be, in my opinion, if this was never out there for citizen access to debate, have an honest debate, you know, hold leaders accountable in elections, etc. I don't find it valid. And I'm very glad that someone came out and revealed it. Um, so what do you think his fate should be? Do you think he's it was treason and period end of story? Because he's never going to enjoy a life in America. No, again. did you? It was on Colbert and uh, the Colbert Report that the NSA was even thinking of mm. granting him uh, amnesty, amnesty because yeah, because of how much he leaked. Well, they and they they made sure, and you know, I, I sort of understand why that it wasn't just going to be like blanket amnesty. They had to. There's going to be strict provisions about returning every single piece of. Uh, they say he's only, but how could you ever know that he has for one and for two? I mean, it does, <laughs> for two doesn't even matter. It's just the whole situation is he's and he left. He had a was it a, was it a fiance girlfriend girlfriend. Well, and they say he only has one percent of. He's only released one yeah. percent, and he wasn't high up either. He was just like a co private contractor. He didn't even work for the NSA. He no, was yeah. a contractor. But I one thing I like about what Edward Snowden did, even if you disagree with him, he showed that you could be a whistleblower and you could still live your life. Like he's not dead yet. There's a lot of people. Who's, I am honestly. I said that to my prison. dad. I said, "We're America. I mean, we are the best at getting in there, doing what we got to do, and getting out." Oh, you can't. How go. have they not? Because you can't. Well, uh, well, they totally currently. Could. Edward Snowden is a person that we have a blanket war authorized for, so they can't go in there with. So a you drone, paid for so. with taxpayer money. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean by blanket war? Because uh, uh, let's get deep. 
Well, let's, let's talk about the uh, war justifications. And, well, let's, uh, let me ask you this. Now, Obama, he happens to be president. Yep. Not Irish. I just found that out recently. <laughs> just kidding. I um, gave it away. Would you agree? I, I think that he's done some good shit, but he definitely, you know, at first he had his blanket pass, as all I, all Democrats get their blanket pass. But Wait, Republicans don't get blanket passes? Well, to, and certain things. But they, I think you get your passes on what stuff you do, like when Republican... Who are anti L L was it um like homosexuals get caught being gay sometimes they get or swingers and sex stuff they'll get away with it, but with like Democrats like oh Obama's done some things a lot of things that if Bush had done it it would have been blown up and I don't know where I'm going with that. Well anyway, obviously he inherited a lot of stuff. What do you think he's done well? And then we'll follow that up with what has he done poorly. But I don't want to talk about the stuff that they talk about like on regular 24-hour news like what do you think with your perspective of uh, you have a different view on politics and i want to hear what you think um what has he done well uh well even if i disagree with portions of it in principle uh he managed to get health care through um somehow somehow uh kind of butchered minced up in my opinion but it, it it crawled through it got through that's something uh no other president was able to do mm. um, and it was tough there was there was fights within his party too in terms of what that was going to look like in the end and uh that's where a lot of my uh issues are with healthcare but i'll move past that um what else has he done well you think there's too much um Sometimes there's issues with it. Like you said, so there's fighting within the Democratic Party. That there was, and there kind of is, but now that the, the law's passed, it's it's all defense. That doesn't get as much airplay as the infighting of the Republican Party. I think the uh, Republican Party's infighting in the last, what do you want to call it? Year? Four years. Four years? Yeah. Um, there wasn't so much infighting three, four years ago when it was happening, but as a result of those elections, there's definitely been infighting. Yeah, between the Tea Party and the Republicans. And, yeah, uh, but both parties, every cycle it happens. Like, I hate when people are like, oh, this is excuse me, the end of the Republican Party. And like, it's not. It's No, absolutely not. But I think the two-party system should not exist in general. But that's Oh, only if we need someone from the Green Party oh, here. No, you want to get we're me not started on there. proportional representation models. We'll get really wonky. Let's come back really to that. I want to hear about that. But what else do you think about, like, has done well? Oh, yeah. Healthcare. So, Gay rights, oh, Biden kind of stuck was, in there. There was a there was a little bit of a what I found really confusing signals. You know, he would show up to uh, LGBT, you know, organizing groups, events. He asked them to pledge their dollars, their you know their their foot power, get out the vote, support me. And for his first term, he still like turned to the mic and said. I, I'm evolving, you know, like he's a Pokemon or something. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Gotta uh, catch him all. Like, and then he he started his second election cycle going to the same groups and saying, you know, I need your dollars, I need your votes, I need your support, you know, whatever a candidate does. And I, I actually sent the letter. I was so outraged because he went to, I can't even remember the name of the organization now, but he went there and he was, um, he was, asking for their support he's gonna move them forward but at the time he was still maintaining that he just 
he couldn't come around on gay marriage. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And then there was that. And then, you know, Joe Biden kind of came out in front of him and forced his hand. But, you know, once that happened, you know, once he stopped being what what I I found to be just kind of cowardly, you know, not kind of cowardly, but also manipulative. Like, are we talking about Biden? No, I'm talking about Obama. Okay, I just want to be clear. Sorry, go back to Obama. No, it's all um, right. You know, because I was just outraged. I have your support. We're going to move forward together, but you still can't just come out and say... Like, your money's your money's valuable to me. Your money's but... valuable to me. I need your votes. I'm going to help you. I just can't tell you I'm going to help you on this core, really important issue still. Do you think he's done too much middle pandering? I, that's been a big criticism of the and for the record for anyone listening i would talk like this about any president and he just happens right. to be well office. we said it in the intro but the intro may or may not be included so yeah. we should just repeat that yeah. all of the, these are all just opinions of a bunch of guys right right yeah, just nothing. bros being bros podcast um <laughs> sorry and <laughs> i feel like he much more than Bush attempted to anyways, from what I can remember, like I said, I wasn't paying too much attention at the time, only mm-hmm. a little bit here and there growing up. And But I can just remember Bush was not very good at trying to get the country together on certain issues. Mm-hmm. They talk about him being a great orator and stuff, Barack Obama, which he is. He gives great speeches. Oh, Barack Obama, absolutely. Um, but uh, you could move past all that, but just the way he gets to the mic, and he, he at least wants to tell it to you straight, even if, uh, depending on the issue, it takes some <laughs> Do you of you know how to do a Bush impersonation? No, I can't do a, I can't either. Do a good Bush or a good Obama. Will Ferrell do the best. No, well, Obama has also had a lot of resistance. Um, it's bad. but It is bad. It, it did feel like Bush got shit through a lot faster. And I, I don't like Bush, obviously. Well, uh, I think that speaks to... But there's also that Congress. I think a lot of people don't even really even think of that. Like you elect... One thing I notice about Democrats in general and the party is it's just like, especially for Obama, his he got the base riled up and he got into office and all that everything else died and then the cards fall where they moan. And now on Republicans, even though some of those right-wingers I really dislike... Those are the most active, diehard voters. Like they get you in office, and they're there, and they want their stuff. Like especially like old people. A lot of de- young Democrats and minorities don't vote. It's sad. Well, you're saying that the Mexican. Oh, I shouldn't say that. God, that's so politically incorrect. Hispanic. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. The whole Hispanic population in the next like 10, 20 oh, years is going to really, really change be everything. Exploding, and it's going to change everything. Do you think there's a way we can stop them from voting? <laughs> we should come up with a voting rights act. Ooh, we should modify act. it so that disadvantaged people and poor people won't be able to vote. Yeah, and make it on a Tuesday and close it at 6. <laughs> Let's also assure that everybody has the right to vote first, which currently doesn't exist in the Constitution. <laughs> but, uh... oh. <laughs> oh, that's important to you now? Voting? <laughs> can, I, can I ask you a, another random question? I have a lot of random questions. Keep talking. Go ahead. So I heard, and I don't know if this is true or not. Um, have you seen, um, what's that documentary? Uh, Zeitgeist? Yes. On Netflix? I heard from a couple of different sources that uh, there actually is not a law on the books currently that says you have to pay income tax. That There's if you, a few documents that if you that if you actually go to the source and look, there is no law that says that. Is that true? Or is that bullshit? I mean, you might not know the answer, but that sound it sounds I ridiculous. I don't to me. know the answer. I was actually at a uh, 
Normal Picnic a couple years ago. What does uh, Normal stand for for the folks? National Organization for Reforming Marijuana Laws. And um, ow, it was a great event. But there was there's and the thing I love about this organization is this is where you see the uh, you know like someone like me leading quote unquote progressive uh, to the left merging with you know very in some cases conservative or libertarian people but uh, I was talking to one of the more libertarian minded people who was trying to tell me the same thing and I'm just like see I turn on the news and whenever anybody dodges their taxes uh, there's usually a response I have to feel like there's a law it, just, in the books. it blows my mind that like because the Federal Reserve is a private organization yeah, I don't they are not connected works. to the government in any real way I don't, and I don't know what they do the fact that like if that is true and i don't i really don't know if it's true or not but it seems to me like it's isn't that weird that if it if it's not in fact true people don't have to pay their taxes but if you don't you go to prison i just feel like it can't be true i don't know i, I don't really i should look are it you up a big conspiracy back. theory fan <sighs> i just feel me. like if that were true at this point we would have already had the the cases go to the Supreme Court, right. and the Supreme Court would have ruled because income tax has been law since, or at least it's like 1912 yeah. or something like that. Yeah, the when, was the, when did the gold standard end? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know that one. Well, if anyone out there wants to come on the show and talk about it with us, that's fine. I'd love or to post the about answer it. to Facebook. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> Facebook.com slash let's chat. So here's a kind of a question. You said the word libertarian. No. I'm trying to word this right. I, I had written it down, but no. Mike, you want to ask a nice question so I can get my thought together? Well, why not? <laughs> Do you know what the Libertarian Party is, Brandon? Can you describe it? Because a lot of people don't, including myself. Okay, so uh, I guess I'll make the distinction that there's just people in general who have libertarian views, you know, less government, more right, sort of people have inalienable rights that can't be judged by the government you know typically lead far more free market stuff like that but uh there's also a party you know built around in this country and possibly in a few other countries uh the libertarian party which is an organized political entity with the same sort of core platform pieces and concerns do, do they appear on ballots they do um they do? i, I believe they appear in massachusetts i think I might be wrong on this. One of your uh, audience members could wag their finger at me over Facebook or something like that. But uh, I think you guys actually had a libertarian state representative in Mass I mean, uh, Rhode, Rhode Island, Island for a little bit. Oh, um, I, I haven't looked at it. Which blows my mind. Rhode Island had a libertarian state representative, even if it was for like a few months or a term or something. It's but. been described to me as uh, uh, Jesus is to cry. Jesus is to Christians as the Constitution is to libertarians Their there's God a whole the separate fringe party that exists in like the south and you know like mid-south atlantic you know like kind of fringe. i'm not sure what counts what well, regionally but it's called the constitution party which is like uh as as far as i'm concerned it's just like tea partyism you know in a party form. <laughs> well, do you think there's a lot of, there seems to be crossover with Tea Partiers and Libertarians? And I, I've met some very intelligent and had some great conversations and agree with a lot of what some Libertarians have said. And I've met other Libertarians and I'm like, you're. I feel the same way. Like Ron Paul is probably one of the poster yes. boys for Libertarianism. They and love him. Ron Paul, I feel like 70% of what he says makes really good sense. Maybe 75. 
But then there's times. There's 25 that make me think he's literally insane. Yeah? <laughs> Are you a Ron Paul 2012 guy? No. <laughs> I've never been willing to pledge my vote and endorse Ron Paul for office, but uh, I think he's he's been right since very early on uh, about at least the drug war. I was actually watching like a year ago some YouTube videos of him having like debates with like teenagers and stuff in the late 80s, early 90s on talk shows and like he's been ahead of that, but I mean there's some other things you talk about you know, he wants to destroy federal agencies that do really important work. Uh, he he wants to get rid of the f- is it the Department of Ed? I think he's got some very unlibertarian uh opinions when it comes to uh you know women's health care and abortion issues yeah. and stuff something i don't want to <laughs> touch yeah. upon too much but yeah. i mean he's he's a very flawed uh in my opinion libertarian uh poster boy there was actually a if you're going to talk about libertarianism libertarianism and libertarians who i think put a good emphasis on certain issues while leaving other more fringe or kind of radical radical ideas on the back burner is uh, gary johnson last year who was yeah. originally running for the republican party presidential nomination <laughs> in a very crowded field early One on of what 13 no and uh he started, you know, like everybody else with the back-to-back-to-back-to-back debates uh, in 2011. And then uh, I think he ended up bowing out of the Republican Party process in very early 2012 because they weren't letting him on. De- I think he appeared on a handful of debates. And... He was blocked pretty heavily, right? But, yeah, it was outrageous. This guy was two-time governor of Arizona. No, New Mexico, sorry. New Mexico. Uh, we're talking about Richardson? No, uh, he- Gary Johnson. Oh, okay. And um, I zoned out. he was just talking sense in a lot of areas, at least, you know, very good conservative views, uh, at least having a conversation in a primary. And they just uh, squeezed him out. So <laughs> well, getting back to Obama, Obama. Um, well, I think drones and surveillance get covered enough. And no, actually, I don't think they get covered nearly enough. But I want to talk about something I don't understand where I think. I always get upset with the Republican Party specifically for not coming in on Obama's policy on marijuana, especially specifically like California, Colorado with states' rights, because he has closed down more dispensaries than the Bush administration. And isn't that really? state, mm-hmm. is that true? Isn't that states' rights and I didn't small know government? That. What's good is in the last four years, there's been. A, I'm thinking four years. His first four years. He, his first four oh, years. Yeah. yeah. Is, uh, well, same with immigration. He's he's deported. This is where I say he gets a pass because that stuff needs to be reported on no matter who is in office. He's deported more uh, families than uh, the Bush administration. And that's that's not good. So, yeah, um, he kind of ran with the uh, we're going to leave you guys alone, which is what made it at least a little bit more, um, you know, upsetting was we're gonna leave you guys alone but then you know they got ramped up hard uh ramped up hard and uh in some cases maybe there were legitimate reasons but uh somewhere down the line there has to be well i mean in the bush administration did you uh was it operation freedom where john ashcroft went out that's how they ended up getting chong in jail from Xi and chong and the bush administration was also pretty horrible with this stuff yeah i mean no president i don't expect 
a lot of uh, radical change from any president. But, uh, you know, you, it's just something that gets locked out from consideration. And what's so funny about the drug war issue is, is whatever he's done, like these open town halls online, which are really great, you know, in yeah, principle. Really and people get to, you know, they every time there's been a survey or, you know, like a ask your question almost every time the most popular question that gets fronted or the most popular you know issue is marijuana laws like mm -hmm. that always comes up number one in the rankings you know and he he laughed it off for the first four years like oh those online kids <laughs> and uh he wouldn't touch it yeah, yeah. There's got to be a reason why you wouldn't touch it. Industries. And I think that I think Poland. that, and not to interrupt Brandon, but I, I really do think that like the states have to, and the federal government more importantly, are probably now realizing that they can't skirt marijuana legalization anymore. And that I think bigger than that though, they now realize they'd make a fuck ton of money. Well, they've known that. Well, if, they're uh, uh, well, and, and now Brandon can talk more about this. A fuck ton of money is made to be illegal, <laughs> an unimaginable amount of money from taxing marijuana well i agree with you 100 percent for recreational and use. i and uh, colorado is but the problem is the reason more money is made it off of it being illegal it funds our police brandon you so, know more about this so um let me just give you a little example again i'm horrible with names but i've had the honor of running into a lot of longtime activists in the last three years when it comes to the issue of uh law enforcement what's an appropriate direction to take when it comes to public health policy, drugs, etc. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it was something like the early, mid-80s, one of the people I uh, at least got an email through with our state chapter of Normal was in the Massachusetts State House making a lot of the same arguments you guys just made. Um, a lot of the same arguments they've been fighting for for decades now against public opinion against the opinion of congress against every conceivable odd um and at the time he was booed there was a lot more people there to testify against him for this bill than there were people in support you know like people screaming at him you're immorally you're immoral you're abhorrent you know get out of this uh committee room or wherever you testify <laughs> you know the hall and uh you know Fast forward 20, nearly 30 years or whatever, and it's changed. And the numbers nationally and, you know, even in Massachusetts and the New England states, the public opinion numbers have changed drastically yeah. in the last decade, especially the last five years. Well, I agree with you, Mike. I, I would love to see it be treated like as a issue of addiction in general, as an issue of public health, instead of that money going into our prison systems and then pharmaceutical companies and things of that nature taking money. So you know, it's. I think it'll it'll happen. It's gonna oh, happen. I, oh it, it has to. I mean, Colorado just January first, two thousand fourteen. They had Sanjay Gupta on CNN like yeah. a few like what was it six months ago or less than that, and a lot of people were saying there's no way in fucking hell that that would have happened if uh -huh. someone hadn't told him you need to get on and we need to start. Yeah, well, I mean, the war on drugs has cost billions upon billions of dollars. It's lost lots of lives. I mean, but that's creating an industry that's like the military industrial complex i mean the dea is funded because of the war on drugs essentially. yeah it's just like the tsa so like, which and i have then those the weird incentives bleed down into the state and local uh law enforcement level too because uh when it comes to 
depending what state you're in, but anything that has to do with distribution, whether there's violence or not involved, um, a lot of these, you know, state, local, and federal agencies have the ability to seize your property. Anything and almost everything possibly related to the crime involved. So you were growing a few plants in your house, even if you're nonviolent, if they really wanted to, they'll confiscate those plants and your property, uh, you know, the home you live on. Uh, they'll take your car because you drove around. Um, they will cripple you financially. If you own a business. <laughs> they will ruin you financially. We're living in a police state, folks. Well, <laughs> you... Now, what's your experience, <laughs> Mike, though? Because, uh, you know, the numbers are disproportional of arrest and what happens for white and All right, let's do a comparison right now. People. How many times have you been pulled over driving? This is probably isn't going to shock anybody. I don't Four? Four times? How about you, Brandon? And hold on. Let me say it. I'm the oldest <laughs> one here, and I, I know we all drive a lot, but I'm older than all of you, so I've driven longer than Mike. I don't mm -hmm. know your number, but I'm guessing it's a lot higher. It's no. I don't think it is. Oh, Go ahead. Uh, twice. Twice? And how about interactions with the police? Well, not, well, in, a, not in a vehicle. Not positively? or pos oh, I had a lot because working at Starbucks, and they're all wonderful. No, when you were the one being incriminated. Oh, I've been pulled over four times. I just, yeah, yeah. I, I've I, only been pulled over, I don't know if it's three or four times. I've only had one interaction with the cops that was kind of un, not necessarily no, completely. It wasn't completely unwarranted. But yeah, no, I mean, but I also keep in mind I grew up in a primarily white suburb uh, mm -hmm. with white parents in an upper middle class neighborhood. So though my skin is brown, uh, I... I was white to everyone else because you can't I, preach the struggle of the inner city black man. No way. I can't even relate to people, to black people in the ghetto. Like it's most I of try. us, none of us in this room can, I don't think, oh, I, I don't try. think most people can. I watch you a know? lot of documentaries and so I wouldn't even yeah. pretend to be able to identify yeah. with black. Like, it's just the experience in this country of being poor and specifically black. I mean, any being black, tough. I think is less, I'd rather be black than Muslim right now. I know yeah. that sounds really racist, but it's. I'm saying it from a standpoint of the Muslims. I shouldn't even say the Muslims. If you're from, if you're from that part of the world, a lot of Americans will judge you right off the bat, and it, it's shitty. I don't think it. Should Who be is that one guy from that part of the world that everyone loves? Jesus. <laughs> no, it's. <terrible. laughs> I don't really like them that much. No, I'm just saying what I was saying was so I the agree. listeners understand it's terrible because they just mm -hmm. profile the shit out of you know, anyone. We grew from up that in area, that you know. post 9 11, especially. Oh, yeah. You know, I like was, yeah. The age Even, of fear. you know, everywhere I was, uh, you know, just lame jokes and stereotypes peddled. Mm -hmm. um, it's no worse than it's like. I'm I not missed even all that. Again, something I didn't <laughs> have to, you know. My, on the receiving end of do you guys there. remember where you were on 9-11 my high school experiences we were a lot more and had defamation comments towards homosexuals than muslims because i well, graduated no two louis ck has a bit about that where he talks about fag the word yeah. fag and how when he grew up you same, did not same use for me, that when I, up, <sighs> when I grew up if you called your friend a fag it didn't mean they were gay it meant that's what you did you're being a fag but well yeah. he he has the bit and you guys yeah no but that, that's true like when i was in high school that was until I had, I'll, I'll actually never forget this. I had a really great English teacher, Miss Costelli, in my junior year of high school, and in this Wallingford, Connecticut. The word "fag," if someone was had a lunchbox, uh, had a spoiled sandwich, be like, "Oh, that shit's for fags." 
and yeah, that's a right. horrible thing to say. It had nothing to do with sexuality. Dumb high school kids. And I remember, I remember going to my English class one day, and she screamed in our class because someone used the word fag, and it had made someone cry. And that was the first time that I ever had an awareness that, oh, that's a bad word. And now I love that you don't use that anymore. Like that guy from Duck Dynasty just got in trouble for all his horrible things. Oh yeah, yeah. Which, that's a word that shouldn't be used. Fag and retard needs to yeah. leave the lexicon because that's. There's one word I probably shouldn't say, but I think everyone has the right to say everything. But I'm just gonna be smart about it. Yeah. All right. So for the record, those words should not. <laughs> but, well, no. Well, that's well, freedom of speech, though. I stay clear of this conversation. But, uh... <laughs> hey, I support. No, I'm not even going to say that. <laughs> uh, what were we just talking about? We were talking about, I don't even remember. Marijuana laws or something? Marijuana laws. Yeah. So, um, and I think, who is the creator of The Wire? David Simon. Oh, David Simon. Simon, Simon. You're okay. thinking of Raven Simone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David Simon. See, I everything I read about is... On the internet, in print, I almost never listened to, like, interviews or news, so I've, I guess this is, uh... So what do you read? Because I have that written down. What do I read? I was actually going to ask that, too. Where do you go for your news? Well, I can answer one question. Brandon watches a lot of (laughs) C-SPAN as he brings it up in staff meetings. I... I do watch a lot of C-SPAN. Hey guys, see that budget share meeting? <laughs> I'm not kidding. This has happened more, more than once. More of us did watch C-SPAN. But go ahead. Go but, ahead. Um, but for real, what one magazine that my dad, he, he didn't raise me on because I didn't read it for years growing up, but one he's made me appreciate and that I read regularly is The Economist, uh, which is, uh, you know, I, get, I got a little bit of flack from it from my uh, left-leading friends because... You know, they call it, and it is in a lot of ways a conservative magazine, but uh, I think they've always been sensible. Uh, they get some things right, and they challenge me. I love being challenged. Uh, I'll put down The Economist uh, once in a while and be like, well, man, you know, like maybe I just thought of this like all black and white. I love that. I love when my views are, are challenged and brought into question. Yeah, I, I think what is the whole new thing of – we're just keep reinforcing our black and white thinking because now you have your news networks, your new internet. Like I know the internet has changed everything, but you can really put up your binders and be like, I'm only going to watch um, MSNBC and I'm only going to read Huffington Post and I'm not going to ever read anything that questions what I think. So mm-hmm. I really strive to see. Um, I told you the other day, I listened to the Glenn Black radio show just when I was at work. I was in the Midwestern for a driving through and it just came on. I listened to it and don't. And not for political reasons. The dude is just mean. Who's that? Glenn Beck. Well, it just came I on. Thought, I, I actually I don't thought know. you were talking about Rush Limbaugh. No, he he actually is. I think he's the highest paid uh, yeah. radio personality right now. But which is insane. Glenn Beck's mean. He called everyone stupid, even Republicans. Yeah, that's the problem with a lot of conservative talk radio. You know, I want to listen and be challenged and engage in a conversation about policy and governance and the direction of country or an yeah. issue goes in, and that, that's. NPR kind of does that. It manages that, I think. I, yeah. I love smart conser- smart anyone. But, uh, yeah, you, like you said, there's a lot of just, like, people will call up and disagree, and, you know, you're gonna you're not always going to get the most eloquent callers or anything like that, but it is just, it could just get, it, it's almost comical, but it's just, like, straight out nasty, you know, like a cartoon character hosting and responding to some of these people, but... No, earlier you mentioned the Green Party abroad. Uh, did you want to touch upon that? Like, how was the Green Party perceived or act overseas or in Canada or anything? So, um, actually, it's great to bring up Canada uh, because Canada recently, just in the last 
two, three years. Again, my time's always a little uh, skewed, but uh, they got their first member of the Green Party into Parliament, their party leader, uh, Elizabeth May. And uh, if there's a reason to be proud to be a member of the Green Party, it's uh, I would ask you guys to look up Elizabeth May and her work in Parliament. Um, she's been a, a workhorse and, you know, not just for Green Party views, but, uh, really forcing the conservative government up there to, uh, try to govern like a democracy and a republic. Um, she's won awards year after year for like hardest working parliamentarian and stuff. And, uh, she's won seat out of, you know, probably less than 400, give or take. And, uh, she's making a difference, um. What was her name again? Elizabeth May. I want to. Yeah, I, I think I've heard the name, but that's good because I didn't know that. You mentioned that you worked for the Annie DeFranco. Uh uh-uh. Marisa DeFranco. Marisa DeFranco campaign. What was your experience? How did you get involved? And what was it like to work on a campaign? So I wasn't really paying attention to the Massachusetts Senate race. Two or th- at this point, it started in late, actually early 2011. But uh, there was. There happened to be a a lot of people throwing their hat in the ring, lots of different Democrats, on the Democratic side anyways. And uh, my friend, one of my friends, you know, just was posting enough stuff where, you know, I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I started looking at, and, you know, there's a lot of good candidates early in the race. Uh, there's Bob Mate, I think it's Massey that you pronounce it. Um Marisa DeFranco was in there. There were a couple others. Uh, I think Tom Conroy was one of the names, somebody else. And, um, well, I thought just Marisa had a great energy and she was talking about things that don't typically get talked about. Um, like what would you say? She talked a lot about trade, um, international trade deals. And uh, she seemed to have a, she seems to understand and she was able to, at least I thought, eloquently talk about how our previous trade deals and what we can learn going forward about how they affect us, how they affect our economy. And, you know, are they a good deal for the people abroad? You know, cause just, she talked about that, which nobody else was talking about. Um, single payer. <laughs> she talked you bring about, that up a lot. What is uh, that? I'm sorry. I wait, don't know uh, remind me first what office she was going for. Again. She was running for us Senate seat, In which uh, eventually Elizabeth Warren won. Right. Um, so first, first payer is that the term? Single payer, single health care yeah. or Medicare for all. Okay, in this country. Yeah, explain that to us so we understand that. So uh, currently in this country, we have a uh, very complex system of health care when it comes to insurance and financing it. Uh, we have a partially state-funded health care systems. We have Medicare. Um, which is available for seniors as well as uh, people who qualify like disability and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Medicaid, which is a uh, federal and state-funded program given to qualifying uh, individuals who you know are either out of work or they don't earn enough income or have kids, can't afford to insure, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that. Uh, <laughs> we have private insurance, um, and it wasn't working well for a lot of Americans and, mm-hmm. uh, they tried changing it with the uh, current healthcare law and there's been a lot of improvements, but, uh, 
what single payer does is it just puts everybody together in a single government run insurance pool. Just it does it's not necessarily healthcare run by the government like healthcare delivery. It's just the financing. So instead of the same way uh, private insurance runs, but instead of competing private insurance companies, everybody's in the same healthcare pool. Everybody mm-hmm. in, nobody out. What do you think of the uh, healthcare.gov situation? Uh, I think it's just a bunch of nonsense, and I don't mean I think the healthcare.gov issue is like going to ruin healthcare reform, but it's a glitch. Uh, <laughs> it was unfortunate, but I don't think you can expect it to be perfect. Uh, it's a, it, right All now. it is is a glitch. It's going to get fixed. Um, anybody who was, you know, waving flags like this is the end of uh, the Affordable Care Act when, you know, there was just not working in the beginning is. Yeah, I'm sure the Republicans were uh, happy that it didn't go smoothly. Um, all right. So what do you see as some of the largest problems facing the nation? As Americans, <laughs> the way I phrased it was, yeah, you this generation and next generation. Yeah, well, you know, not the MSNBC ones, but like, well, Social Security. Let's. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, it's my opinion that we've got to defend it, and uh, there's a few people coming out at the uh, national office holding level now about expanding it, but um, there's some solutions that can keep it solvent. Um, I, I agree with Bernie Sanders that it's a uh, false crisis. Uh, all you have to do, for example, is lift the cap on Social Security from it's like roughly a hundred and five thousand a year. After that, you don't pay the Social Security. Lift that cap that doesn't exist for uh, you know similar programs in other countries around the world, and uh, you'd be able to finance it better. Oh, look at that! We just solved Social Security. Wonderful. You heard that first on the last. No, yeah, Elizabeth. What idea? Elizabeth just Warren kidding. was talking about expanding it, or she mm-hmm. made a speech recently. And yes, yeah. she did. It was uh, rather proud. She's actually <laughs> yeah. been very vocal, and she's getting I a lot like of her. good press. She's yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I did support her initially, but uh, I'm not bummed out and mm-hmm. that she's representing me. Was that a good loss for you? Um, I think what bothered me about the process was is. She's a strong candidate. She's got great views. Uh, I'm not. A, I wasn't against her running, but as soon as she came in, uh, the competition besides Marisa DeFranco, who didn't you know, make it to the final ballot, just dropped out. And I'm always a, as great as Elizabeth Warren uh, was and presented on the campaign. You know, I'm always about competition and holding each other accountable mm-hmm. you know um i don't like it or at least as a voter and a concerned person i don't like it when a you know a whole process ends up like disappearing or dissipating i have always mm-hmm. believe in debates having policy discussions and mm-hmm. maybe i'm it's i'm the less pragmatic side of me but uh well it's interesting you should talk about what we brought up warren i had actually written a question down i noticed there was a post uh, about maybe a few weeks ago about Elizabeth Warren and Hillary Clinton on <laughs> on Facebook. And uh, I just happened to see it in passing about, I think someone said it should be the six, 2016 ticket, Warren and, and Hillary Clinton. When you <laughs> made a comment that, that implied that maybe you weren't completely thrilled about that prospect. Um, um, is there a reason why? I was, <clears throat> my post was... Only in regards to uh, Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. It didn't include Warren. Um, I don't really have an opinion right now about a Warren presidential run, but uh, I am not supporting Hillary, or at least I'm not very... Uh, I'm not about to 
put time into getting her elected. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I have a choice, I probably wouldn't give her my vote. But uh, well, you'll have a choice unless you're an ex-convict. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just talking about a uh, a branch of the Democratic Party that had the party in its grips for years, uh, very open to the. Uh, you know, sort of Wall Street and big business interest um, interests over, you know, workers, labor, um, push through some of the, you know, at least, you know, partially harmful and trade deals we know about. They repeal Glass-Steagall um, um, and to... they started a war on the, you know, she voted for those wars that were engaged in now and still having to clean up. So uh, can you explain Glass-Steagall? We're going deep down the rabbit hole I, now. I don't huh? even know what that one was. So uh, anybody who's a little bit concerned about our financial crash, and uh, this isn't 100% infallible argument or uh, analysis, uh, but uh, Glass-Steagall was a lot that existed since the stock market crash of the uh, late 20s and the horrible depression that resulted from it that uh, separated, you know boring savings banking checking activities stuff like that from investment vehicles and products uh that existed for nearly 50 years or just over 50 years Mm. and then there was a big lobbying effort at the late at the tail end of the 90s by a uh i can't remember which banks but uh they were doing a, a merge which was illegal uh, <laughs> and uh, with enough pressure with Congress, uh, they they merged ahead of the repeal of Glass-Steagall anyways, but uh, Congress repealed oh. Glass-Steagall and got rid of a lot of those barriers and the regulations, and banks started getting a lot more... Clinton uh, did that? What? You said Clinton did this? Uh, Clinton pushed through. Uh, it was a very bipartisan thing. I think the, the main sponsors in the uh, Congress were Republicans, but there's a lot yeah. of support for it on both ends. He, he did a lot of not-so-good things for the war on drugs, too. Clinton? Uh, uh, yeah, I wish I could have specific examples. They're kind of... I'm drawing I don't... Like, I'm not really aware of his, his specifics when yeah. it comes to that issue. Mm. I was a little bit older. But Clinton. I'm not thrilled about that sort of legacy... And that sort of record of the Democratic Party taking the lead in the presidential election again. And uh, that's why I, or at least some of the few reasons, I'm not really supportive of. And on a very basic level, wouldn't it look weird if our history, it went like we had two Bush fam- like two families doing 16 years of presidency? Yeah, it would. Or 24, right? Yeah. There, were, there was rumors about Jeb Bush. I yeah, don't I don't know. Really well, you know what's funny about Bush now that he's not in office? Like, he didn't see... Like I, you always had this slight impression that he didn't really want to be there, but he's really proven that since he's been out of office. Like you just don't hear from him. Yeah, at all. Leno, yeah, there was um a story which I don't obviously I don't know it's true, but it was quoted as a a rec um as a very good source was that he was at the New Hampshire primaries like in his hotel. They're like, all right, come on, George, we gotta go out for the primary, and he was just being like Mr. Cranker Pants. Did you hear that on a podcast? Maybe. Which one was it? Will Ferrell and Red yes, Baron. I, I, heard that. Well, I guess that's a reputable source. <laughs> he, was, he was laying on the bed. And he there was were like, like six people. Well, it was from Daryl Hammond through Will Ferrell that I listened to on Walt the TF. So it has to possibly be maybe true. Yeah. But well, I just always have that impression. You know, you got that impression that someone else was running the show, like Dick Cheney. Yeah. I I had a question for Brandon, and that you and I had talked about um there was a casino proposal recently 
uh, in the town of Milford, Massachusetts. <laughs> well, there was now, multiple, but there Milford are, right, one. Right, this one I'm most familiar with. And I actually never really understood the politics behind why a casino was good or bad. So, and it did fail, is that correct? The proposal failed? Yeah, failed two to one. Do you want to explain? It passed into Springfield. Do you want to explain for myself and the listeners why a casino might potentially be good and bad and why you thought it was bad? So, um, at least the way uh, New England's handled it with Connecticut and then Massachusetts when they decided to uh, open up bidding for uh, gaming licenses is... uh, the whole idea is to it's a it's supposed to be a revenue model, uh, sort of like the lottery with you know the the gaming perspective, but it's also like another, you know, it's a casino. It's you, it's not just gaming. There's restaurants, there's entertainment, possibly concerts, all sorts of stuff going on at a casino. And uh, the idea was is that we're gonna have a competitive, we're gonna have a competitive. Uh, gonna have a competitive uh, bidding process on four different casino sites i believe spread out regionally through massachusetts so uh and not only were they gonna you know be applying and bidding for these spots but they had to make their case to the town they wanted to uh come into come into so uh, there was also a you know a sub separate sort of revenue model in that oh if you take our casino we'll guarantee you this much Revenue a year, uh, or whatever you know, the town leadership and the casino sort of uh, bartered on, and what the final agreement was. So in Milford, um, we had Foxwoods. I believe, yep, it was yeah, Foxwoods, Foxwoods. Uh, was bidding to come to Milford, and uh, there was a negotiation period between our uh, elected selectmen and the uh, Foxwoods, and they came out with a final deal, and they were promising. <coughs> excuse me, they were promising. Uh, you know, this much revenue a year, um, this much for the fire department and, uh, you know, law enforcement and the hospital to uh, account for any, uh, you know, additional required services. Um, we're going to do this road work. You know, they had to sort of they had to have a plan and they had to pitch it and ultimately came down to voters in each town to either accept that plan or reject it now accepting the plan doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be built because it's the ones that get accepted that go to like the final bidding process with the state but uh at the milford level in my case we were just doing the uh the pitch for a possibility to get a license and milford reject i mean milford voters rejected it yeah the only the benefit i saw was like one like you said the revenue uh and the business that would be brought in. But on the other hand, someone mentioned traffic is already kind of bad. Yeah. Milford's like, uh, I like to lovingly refer to as just a commuter gateway. Uh, (laughs) there's tons of towns coming from, uh, the West and just South of it, using Milford as an entrance to, uh, the highways or other routes heading towards Boston and stuff. And it's very congested. Uh, and we're, I just couldn't see how they didn't think putting a casino, in there was gonna not exacerbate that issue uh, any further. Milford already has or has had for the last few years water level issues at our town water company. I don't see how putting a uh, large resort casino in there is gonna alleviate that any. Um, and uh, 
property taxes and stuff go down nobody wants to live in a town or in an area that has a you know giant casino down the street and then um personally i just don't think i don't think it was good for business you know they get a monopoly on uh was it called happy hour sort of drink rules that other bars and the restaurants don't have um and i don't believe or i fundamentally didn't believe in if you're going to expand gambling and gaming when it was previously banned i i believe that should have been spread out more so that uh even smaller you know uh bars or smaller casinos could have gone for smaller or conditional licenses mm. not just four casinos who now have a monopoly on gaming you know happy hour entertainment yeah probably. a lot of entertainment yeah. stuff like that so uh those were my uh issues with it and i cast a vote with two-thirds of milford and say no thank you uh, yeah i'm very i saw happy. a lot of no signs i work in milford so and i'm from connecticut and i don't know mohegan is nice and so yeah you've got a couple um, is it just a couple mohegan sun and fox, and fox are the two big ones yeah but, um, <laughs> and they get a big i'm also draw not from, from those i'm not from ledger or uncasville so i could i can't speak to it they must and, get a huge draw from mass oh. and rhode island and the other yeah states. i think the argument according i listen a lot of boston npr the argument for the massachusetts was to compete with connecticut mm. and i think they could have i just personally think they did a flawed yeah. way uh well i think a lot of, like the town surrounding towns a lot of towns didn't let a lot it seems to be a lot of poorer towns had had that vote to begin with like it was milford springfield uh east boston springfield Taunton. i can see <coughs> but springfield voted it in oh they did yeah i didn't know that. i don't know what the future of it but i just know it got voted i can see but, one there for you sure. know um where i'm from i'm from meriden connecticut and it, it doesn't have the best rap but from what i've heard from before i had grew up there a long time ago it used to have like a thriving downtown and a bunch of surrounding towns had offers to put in Section 8 housing and a mall. And all the other towns said no, which were the Southington, Wallingford, Cheshire, which are all wealthy towns. So by the time I grew up, we had a mall and Section 8 housing. This is about more of the mall because that killed the economy. And they said, growing up, you just heard the mall killed the downtown. And that slowly killed Meriden from the inside out. So, like, it just wasn't a great place to be. And then I was, I was just... Also, sort of uh, ticked off that our state legislator, legislature, sorry, not our state legislature, spent so much time on the casinos, so much time. Like it was felt like nearly half a year worth of like legislative legislative priority and power thrown out the window. And, and you know, like you you want to talk about revenues? There's a lot of other ideas that <laughs> could get us more revenue. You want to talk about jobs? There's a lot more ideas you could do about. Jobs. Um, and then this is what came out, you know, like four casinos are going to save Massachusetts mm-hmm. and make it a lot better. And they paid. The I, don't know, I was almost money. embarrassed. <laughs> I think they'll probably, I can't see them not getting one built eventually no, somewhere in Massachusetts. I think one or two got through the bidding process and wow. the voting process. So we, you we, guys are having the medicinal shops coming too. Yes, and that's a funny story. Uh, some towns are all on board with it and already tried to plan and accommodate them, and then there's other towns who, overwhelmingly against the will of their constituents, are uh, <laughs> trying to do like planning board things to make sure they can't come in at mm-hmm. all and compete. When you own a home in the right area, you're concerned about your property value. And that's why certain towns are certain towns. Like for where you are, Hopkinton and Milford are very different places. And... 
but I, I call it like some like do you know if you watch The Simpsons, there's Springfield and Shelbyville, mm-hmm. and wherever you are, there's always a town that's better and nicer that isn't your town. That yeah, you Parks and Recreation. They have uh, what's the town? Eagleton. Eagleton. And I think they do that so well. Yeah. Like where I was from, I'm from Meriden, and Wallingford was like our Eagleton. Mm-hmm. The air was nicer. Everything was better. The Seekonk, the nicer. No, it can't be. I mean, yeah, probably Seekonk is like you do the have Eagleton. Eagleton is to Pawnee as Seekonk is to like Rehoboth, probably. Maybe I think I don't know. Yeah, I never. Heard you guys, that. neither of you really go down that way. Probably I don't even know that second no. town you said. No, I don't even know these. No, it's right outside. Seekonk <laughs> is like five minutes out of Providence, Rhode well, Island. they have a great target. Headed towards the Cape. It's the first town on 195 after Providence. I never heard of 195 until I moved here. Yeah, 195 or 495. Yeah, even 495. <gasps> I'm a mass resident my whole life, and 495 is still foreign to me. A lot. I of, never even heard of Milford until recently. And 295 is even where's that? You don't know. You don't know 295. No, 295 is the thing I always <laughs> fall for when I'm coming to the airport down here. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I use that. I'm like, coming down on 95, and I'm just driving because my parents use uh. Was it TF Green? Yeah. In Warwick, they use TF Green a lot. They prefer it. Yeah. Where we live in uh when they fly to and from here so uh when never when they're in the car the when i'm driving when i'm dropping them off do i fall for the trap go on 295 i just go straight on 95 south mm-hmm. and i get yeah. to the airport in like less than an hour but every time i go to pick them up i get on 95 and then there's that sign like five <laughs> minutes down the road that says if you want to go to tf green use 295 and i get on 295 i'm like man i found a shortcut and uh you end up going for a very scenic drive it's a mm-hmm. nice drive but man it's just, it's the long way to t- <laughs> <laughs> i mean unless there's like super bad traffic in providence it's like the long way around yeah. to tf green and you end up going back on 95 anyways with the <laughs> <routes. laughs> Oh wow! That's great. <laughs> I always fall for it. I've never done that. I've like, now to try. Just go explore two ninety five one yeah. day. You can get it is beautiful. Like I had to drive. I oh, drove. Wow. I fell for it two times in the summer, and uh, it was it's a gorgeous drive. But, mm-hmm. uh, well, now I guess we're slowly gonna get to the wrap up. Um, do you ever want to run for office? And you have let's chat's full support. <laughs> All too. Well, I'd like. I'd like you to. <laughs> hear me out before you cast your vote for me but uh yeah. <laughs> mike what do you think I'm um, on okay yeah i've thought about it i think uh i'm in a position though where i'm getting more experience uh just in the the field i work in and i want to get experience in the field i you know want to work in and uh i don't know it's, you know if i ever felt like some of these things were never going to get addressed <laughs> and uh it was the last straw yeah i'd make a fridge run for office you know whether it was local to yeah. uh the top but <laughs> well, we, one question we always ask everyone what do you watch and well, what do you watch politically theme first because i know you were here last week we were hanging out and we watched the west wing <laughs> so yeah um, i like veep that's a very funny Mike, show. Do you watch? I've never heard of it. Oh my god, upset! I'm obsessed. It's. I think it's they, not to steal your thunder, but like they oh, no, really. Go ahead. I, they show more justice to me. They show how government works very well, and it's funny. It has what network is it on? HBO. It has um, yeah, no, Julia Louis Dreyfus of you know Seinfeld, Tony oh, Hale, heard of that. Okay. who is um, Buster and Arrested Development, Matt Walsh from um, Everything, and then. A bunch of other really great people are in it and yeah. guest stars, but I mean, I don't have it's HBO. F- 
be honest. Or HBO Go or anything. Oh, like that. It's kind funny. of paid through the nose for it and I can't afford it. But uh, at the time, I was really hooked <sighs> to Game of Thrones when I moved. So I, I was like, can't. yeah, I'll pay for it half price for a year. GOT is the one you watch. But I think Veep shows government. And you know what? It's Game funny. of Thrones is sort of... Uh, I mean, in a much more dramatic sort of Shakespearean way. As, but, you know, these are powerful families. It's much more, to me, uh, sort of an eye into history. And this is like, this is how brutal I like actual to, governing families can be. Second guess to bring up Game of Thrones. I think we have to watch it. I haven't, I've not seen one episode. Me either. And uh, I read the first Well, you're book. talking to like a Dungeons and Dragons dork right here. So, uh, Do you I like Battlestar Galactica? Nope. No Dungeons and Dragons. Do you watch Battlestar at all? Did you watch Battlestar? No, I did not. I've no. heard a lot of good things about it. I, I haven't finished list. it. I'm watching so, it right Let's wing Veep. I love Veep. I, but most of the politics of stuff I watch is C-SPAN. I yeah. see the real stuff. So, Do you watch any of the 24-hour? Do you watch like CNN, MSNBC, Fox, any of those guys? Um... Uh, I used to watch MSNBC, mm-hmm. um, not so much anymore. Uh, I really liked Chris Hayes' show when it was on the weekend morning thing. Mm-hmm. He's kind of retained some of that like panel discussion, which I like in the uh, new slot too. I'm just usually not around or I'm watching something else if I am watching TV. For his- what else do you watch non-politically just for fun to rewind? Um, I've been rewind. getting, well, I already said Game of Thrones as a show I like, uh, I've been getting into Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <sighs> That's one of my favorites. They I just put start. season eight on Netflix. It is I'm just episode after episode. I'm always uh, I'm always laughing, and uh, I've been getting into. Uh, I've always liked South Park. Um, season seventeen has been one of the best. It's seasons one of the best ever. ever. Have you seen any of the new episodes? Those last yeah, I've two seen them. with uh, the Black Friday Game of Thrones stuff. Or the George Zimmerman uh, one? I think that's one of the... I'm sorry, Brandon, but... <laughs> no, it's all right. The you George Zimmerman like, episode is one of too, the best they've ever done. You didn't see when Cartman's on blackface and they shoot him and then he's rewarded and then they find out he's white and they arrest him? <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair, but that's South Park. They don't give a fuck on that show. <sighs> so smart. No, um, uh, what else do I like to watch? Um... Did you watch? Did you watch Archer? Do you watch Archer? No, I'm not no. even sure what that is. Uh, comedy dude, show, animated comedy show on Archer. FX. It's a cartoon. But it's funny. Yeah, and if you like that, then Bob's Burgers is. Uh... Bob's Burgers is great. I like okay, that the guy one. who yeah. does the voice of uh, Bob does the voice of the main character Archer on Archer. Uh, yeah, I'll have to check it out. It's a spot. It's John Benjamin. It's very adult. And um, is there anything else you want to add? No, I've just I've really enjoyed this uh, talk so far. We've hit on a lot of different so, things. Yeah. No, before we recorded, we were trying to figure out a good, the last a good last question, and instead of telling anyone, I thought of one. So, Mike, do you have a good last question? And I have one. I mean, I'm sure I could pull one out, but yeah, let's I go thought of it earlier. It might be really stupid. What's the best meal you've ever eaten? No. Remember, I know, were... I'll do mine. You do yours. Right. Let's start with that one. Oh, but I like the movie one. We'll test. We'll give them a test. Can I do two last ones. Okay, sure. If you could watch your favorite movie again for the first time, what would it be? Hold on, let him let him finish. Let him do the meal one first. Okay, if best could, meal ever. Right. What if? We have a lot of on. different questions. This, to okay. What if he's <laughs> watching his favorite movie again for the first time while eating his favorite meal? <laughs> Perfect. Done. Perfect. <laughs> I fucked up. We All right. High and I knocked over the mic. <laughs> now we're like getting like nervous. Best wrap up question ever. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So which like one first? At the exact same what, time. What's the gonna... best meal you could possibly be eating while you're wa- re-watching your favorite movie for the first time? My favorite movie? Wow. And what know. movie would it be? For, 
you know that the joy movie, you like, get the first time you the see the first a movie? time you see a movie. Wow! So if you so could that experience, right, right? You know, it's just I think it's the AV Club, like the Onions offshoot that does like movie criticism and stuff. Love it. And um, they came out with an article recently about like how Jurassic Park still stands as the gr- like one of the great special effects movies because even though that was when they were really starting to like use computer animation to like the level where you get like the t-rex and you know a lot of the you know a lot of it was still done physically and you know i actually went back and watched like nearly the whole thing before i fell asleep i was just tired you know but uh i can even remember going to see that movie as a little kid and i was like freaking out and screaming at the beginning of the movie and throughout the movie i was just you know, I was pretty scared, but I was like exhilarated. If I could go back and see a movie for the first time, it might be Jurassic Park. Good choice. And what would you be eating? What well, your favorite meal, food-wise or experience eating it? You know, like it could be a restaurant, home cook, anything you think. Huh. Yeah, what has been your best experience? You want to come back, Mike? Absolutely. Best meal you ever eaten? Best meal I've ever had? Explain everything. Okay, the best meal I've ever had by far was at the Capitol Grill in Providence, Rhode Island. And I took my girlfriend there for her uh, her birthday. And I don't care talking about the price. It was like $180 with tip, which I will also say is the most expensive meal I've ever eaten in my life. And it's amazing what it's amazing what you get with the difference in price, but I got it's a um, a dry uh, a dry aged um steak. Uh and it had like a shallot butter and it was uh the best steak i've ever had and i'm a big steak guy and it literally you put it in your mouth you chew it a few times and it literally starts to disintegrate and i had um they gave us a prosciutto wrapped uh mozzarella with a side of a uh, vine ripe baby tomatoes um oh free glasses of champagne i feel like you're painting a it picture was, for me <laughs> it, was, so it was it was it was Unfucking believable. And the whole experience. The whole experience. Because it was. Your girlfriend was there. You forgot to throw. Well, that was that was obviously why. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fuck the food, you know. But yeah. no, it was uh, incredible. It was incredible. Do you want me to go now? You go first because I have a feeling I I've decided what my like my favorite oh, meal man. ever was, but uh, I I think it's gonna be on like a completely different tangent from you two. Yeah. So uh, I'll go last. I've also had some really good meals that were the food was just like like shitty like hole in the wall type restaurants. Oh, well, but in terms of overall experience, that was best experience I've ever had would be at Prov- in Providence as well, Gracie's downtown. Never been. And we went for my wife then girlfriend's birthday last or fiance. She's your wife now, Chris. Now my wife now. You're married. Um for her birthday last year we're going again this year for her birthday well hopefully forever (laughs) that's what the contract said (laughs) she listens it's okay and i had a salad (laughs) i don't remember the food as well as you do (laughs) and uh that's all no and then uh, did it have baby carrots on it it was the best i've ever eaten i don't remember but then they had uh, i had um duck breast and i didn't at this point was still like very picky love duck oh i thought you were gonna say love breast <laughs> that would have been good <laughs> well you joke know. missed <laughs> and uh I, I never had duck at that point because i really wanted like a hamburger but mm-hmm. again victoria would take me to restaurants where i was, wouldn't like anything so i was like oh god try duck oh my god and then i had creme brulee for a dessert and they walk around and give you like seven stars bread and just the Is overall expensive yes but i would what i recommend for for any city for that matter 
Um, cheaper than only because we did this. Uh, go on Restaurant Week. They're twice a year, and most major, even sm- no, most small cities do them. And you get like a thirty dollar prefix meal. And the key is you pick a restaurant you could never afford and go. So that's how we do Gracie's or hmm. uh, uh, Casarinos or one of, like a place like Capital Grill, somewhere yeah. that you could never afford. So Brandon, and, yeah, <laughs> you're laughing over there. Huh? So uh, this requires a little bit of a story to appreciate why this was like my favorite meal ever. But uh, in Minnesota, my family has some property like pretty uh, up in the northern area. That's uh, it's like a drive from where any of them live, uh, you know, maybe like an hour or so to get there. Uh, You start getting into pretty rural territory, like off the main road, you drive it. And then you have to hike into the, you know, unless you got like a quad or something, but it's, it's a, it's work to get to this cabin and the property that we own. Like you kind of have to hike in and like deliverance kind of, um, I I can't remember seeing the movie, but I'm going to say no, because I know what deliverance is about. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, that would change the question. But, uh, you know, if you're going to go there, it's one of those things where, like, you need to go in prepared, like, have, you know, depending how long you're going to stay, you need, like, a few days worth of provisions, food, and stuff. Otherwise, it's just a really, you know, it's not like. So it's way the hell it, out there. It, not, it, this isn't something like off a of Discovery Channel survival right. or anything, but it, it's a pain in the ass if you, like, run out of food and drink and you have to, like, I mean, you're either going to do something like try to get food in the wild or if you're anything like us you're just gonna try to go back to the nearest store and get some but uh so we went out there we were planning on being there for like uh, you know like four or five days or something and uh about halfway through i can't remember why i want to say like my brother was sick and he was just like drinking all the drinks and stuff like that from hydration or something but (laughs) ran out of food like a day and a day and a half early so uh we decided to hike out <laughs> get in the car drive back to the nearest little town and hit their grocery store and just get a few more things to finish up our trip and uh it was the middle i think it was like the middle of summer late spring it was just hot you know so you do this whole you know like what felt like forever but it was probably like an hour and a half hike out about 30 to 40 minute drive to the small town in northern minnesota called cook pleasant little town but uh doesn't have a lot and uh we went into like their general store gas station thing and they had i've, I've never seen these anywhere else but an aw restaurant diner in it we didn't have food for like the whole day we just hiked out <laughs> drive all we're thinking about is food so like this is probably the closest I've ever come to starving, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is, you know, says something about like a chubby, spoiled person like me. But uh, so we go up to this aid, you know, this is like heaven. This is like going to like a restaurant or something after like running out of food and like getting out of the woods and driving all the way here. And there's probably like, you know, just like some teenager sitting there like, how can I help you? You know, yeah, yeah. I ordered like anywhere else. What would be just like a dollar or a cheap chicken sandwich from like Wendy's or something. And it's a W. So we got the root <laughs> beer and uh, what pushed it over the top is being my favorite meal ever is they served it in the ice, like the cold glass. And I can oh. just remember eating that cheap fast food chicken sandwich and that like a W root beer. Like it was the greatest thing on oh, earth. That, that's so cool. Probably my favorite meal ever. Your story was better. The experience is is part of it it's everything yeah well brandon uh, hunger is the you. best hunger is the best seasoning someone mm-hmm. told me recently 
Brendan, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for having me. You course. guys are great. My understanding is you're coming back. I'd love to. You all, you're welcome. I love covering the Providence. Uh, I love chatting with you guys. Uh, so, well, we hope we like you're welcome <laughs> back anytime. <laughs> well, Mike, always a pleasure, and let's chat again real soon.